All right, we have been doing a short series, as we do in the summertime often, uh, we're, we're doing a series on prayer and different types of prayer. The first week we really talked about what is it, prayer and what is it, okay? And what is a prayer? What is prayer? Talking to God. Talking to God, okay? So you might say conversation or maybe more specifically communication with God because as we'll see, uh, it's not all about words necessarily that you are um, saying or saying them in a specific way. Uh, and it's not necessarily all conversational. It can be. Uh, prayer can be different things. So we talked about it being like a circuit, okay? Now, uh, a circuit, that is, that is a symbol for a battery, okay? A battery, right? So a power source. And you go through and there is a light bulb, okay? That's a light bulb. And then you go and there is a switch. So the power comes over to, when the switch is closed, the light bulb from both directions essentially and lights it, okay? There is a flow of electrons, it depends on, it doesn't really matter how it goes, but either way, your flow goes through, powers your switch up, and completes the circuit when the switch is closed, okay? Now, you could say, I'm really, really important. I'm the switch, right? But really, the switch just completes the circuit. The power, if there was no power source, it wouldn't light. If there was no light bulb, there would be nothing exciting, okay? So the switch is an important piece, but it is nothing without the light bulb or the power source. And that's kind of what prayer is in that we are, prayer is the switch. It's like closing the switch. God's the power source. God does the work. God does the miracles. God creates all the flow, makes everything happen, but he just involves you in the, in the circumstance, okay? And that's what he wants is your involvement. He wants you to come to him and say, Lord, I want to do this. Lord, please provide this. Lord, help this person. Okay, so in talking about prayer, don't think like, hey, I've got mighty power in prayer and I can do this. Think God is mighty and powerful and he can listen and he listens to those whom he loves. Okay, now it doesn't mean he's going to do anything you ask him to do necessarily, but he wants you to understand what his will is. That's what prayer is about. And so, shutting the switch, lighting the light bulb, is you praying and, and saying, okay, God had the idea, God provides the power, God provides the idea, and he says, I want you to understand it. And by understanding, you go, oh, yeah, and pray, and God helps you to understand it, okay? So, we then talked about different types of prayer. Um, last week we talked about provision and well, so what's provision <laughs> or petition another word asking okay God you're asking for God to provide, right? Provision, is asking for God to provide. And then we talked about intercession. Asking God to provide for someone else. Okay, right, so this is specifically uh, work for someone else, and that's the important part. <clears throat> A big part of understanding what God is about is understanding that God wants you to love everybody including your enemies okay and so if you intercede on someone's behalf like Moses did God told Moses I don't know if you remember this God told Moses I'm gonna wipe out the whole entire 
Israel, the race of Israel. Okay? Take them all out. And what did Moses do? He said to remember his promise that um, Jesus would come through their descendants. Yep, yep. And so remember, that's what Moses interceded on behalf of the people. In other words, God says, I'll wipe them out, I'll take them out, and I'll make a new nation right through you. And Moses said, no, please don't. Okay? And, and in that, Moses understood, like the switch, right? Did God, did God want to wipe out Israel? Well, not really, right? He made a promise for it, right? Did he forget his promise for a moment? No. So what is he doing? He's showing Moses' love for his people. Okay. And by showing Moses' love for the people, he is helping Moses to understand his own love for the people. Okay? He's, he's translating and helping, God, uh, helping Moses to understand his plan. So it was all God's power and all God's idea, and Moses closed the switch. Right? All God doing all that work. Now, that is what intercession is. And so we talked about that. We talked about provision and, and petition. We talked about intercession, what prayer is. This week, we want to talk about something a little different. I want to first help you to understand two things. There is prayers of thanksgiving, and there are prayers of praise. Are praise and thanksgiving the same thing? If not, what's the difference? What's thanksgiving? Got that one down, right? Being thankful, right? <laughs> so, being thankful about what? Okay. What God did for you or for others, okay? Um, and that is something we're going to talk about next time. It is a really important part of what we are supposed to do is be thankful in prayer. It's a big piece of prayer, okay? Praise is a different thing. Praise is thankfulness, but it is specifically about praising God is being thankful for who God is, okay? Who he is in and of himself. Giving glory for who or what God is. Okay, so you're glorifying this. Which glorifying means raising it up. Right? Lifting it up, raising it up. And that's the point of being of praise. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Where we start. Matthew chapter 6, because praise is throughout the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9. These are the words of Jesus. And you should recognize them. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, so that's the first one. You recognize it, right? It's the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And he says, God, our Father, which in heaven, this is how you pray. Hallowed be thy name. All right, we don't use the word hallowed very often anymore. But what is hallowed mean? Okay, there's there's one there's one word that you can use. It's maybe not the whole word. Um, 
Abraham Lincoln used this in one of his speeches. Very famous speech. One of the most famous speeches. Yes, we cannot consecrate, we cannot dedicate, we cannot hollow this ground. And that was where? Remember? What, what address? Betty's Gettysburg Address. So he's saying, what happened here with these men who died on this battlefield? The words I say can't make it any more unique, special, or hallowed. We can't consecrate this any more than the blood that was already spilled. And that's one of the reasons his speech was so short. It was so short, he wrote it on a napkin, on the way there, it's one of the shortest speeches ever given by a president, okay, on any occasion. But his, his ultimate thing was to say, I can say all kinds of things here, but nothing will add to what they have done. This is already hallowed ground. In other words, it's already consecrated. It's already dedicated by these men's blood, and you can't add more to it by saying words. All right? Sometimes things are beyond words. And so this is what we're saying about God's name. Your name is hallowed. In other words, I can't add to God's name by saying, God, you are amazing. I can't add words to it. Okay? I can't make it more special. But I can say hallowed be your name. Okay, I can say, make sure that I understand, understand who you are. How unique you are. I understand that you are above me, beyond me, more important than me, and I want to praise you for that. Okay, And you go to the very end of that same set of verses. In verse 13, when Jesus finishes that prayer, what does he say? Amen. Chapter, yes. chapter 6, Matthew, verse 13. Well, besides, besides amen, yes. But before that, there's a phrase. Um, the power and glory forever. Right. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, all right? In other words, I, give, I, I am saying, I am assigning all kingdom, all the power, all the glory, everything that's great and mighty belongs to you. Right? And that's how God wants to be treated. That's what Jesus says to treat God. Uh, you have the power. And you have the glory, or you are raised up above me. Understanding that about God goes back to how you treat God in your language, your words, your life, your thoughts, every little thing. My grandparents always did this, and this sticks in my head from day one. One time... Uh, I was up in their house many, many years ago, and I pulled, they had a stack of books on their shelf, and I pulled the books out, and I put them back on the shelf. One of them was a Bible, and it was, I just was moving books around and put it in, and it was a stack, and I, I didn't really notice, but I put the Bible in the middle or on the bottom, and I was told, do not do that. Pull the Bible from the bottom, it goes on the top. Okay? Now, that's a little thing. And I am not saying that that is how you should necessarily uh, think, except what is good from that is this. You treat God always with respect and above everything else. Everything else is less than God. And if you learn to do that in your life, you begin to think in the way of praise. Okay? And that's where we're going to talk about praising God. We don't always do that well in this generation. We're not as good at it. Okay? 
We have everything uh, is kind of not hallowed, not holy, not special. We treat everything but it's all the same, right? Oftentimes we do that. We don't put God up where he belongs in this life. Okay, we don't think of it that way very often. And so the Bible challenges us to do that. And we're going to dig into some of these things where we see, let's see what happens in Revelation. Let's go to the book of Revelation. This is an important thing that you see. You get a taste of what it really is like in God's presence. Uh, Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. This is John. He is standing in this vision of Revelation. He sees God's throne. And this is what he is going to see. We're going to read all 11 verses of this because we need to understand the idea behind it. I'll read the first verse. We'll just keep going around. Okay. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he said... And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow around the throne, and sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the fourth, four <coughs> beasts had each of them six beings about him, and they were full of eyes with it, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him and liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. For thy pleasure they are and where we create. Okay, so here is the picture of the throne. A sea of glass, a rainbow-like emerald, which I don't even know what that means, except it's going to be unique and not like any old other rainbow. Okay? Light comes through him, thunderings and, and lightnings come out of the throne, and the voices from the throne, which is seems almost like confusion... And yet, he is able to very clearly talk about these things. And then there are a group of 24 elders, specifically sitting in thrones around him, that are down on their knees, throwing their crowns in front of him, saying, you are the mighty, powerful God. Okay? And then these four beasts are flying over the throne, Okay, around the throne, and it is their job forevermore to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? I have nothing like that in my life, right? There's, there's no one around that says, You're amazing every day, right? If I hear that once in a year, I'm really doing good, okay? So, but God has it every moment of every day of every day in the throne, 
because he is the most incredible being in all of the universe, right? In all of existence, beyond the universes, okay? God is that most incredible being, and yes, for what he created and for what he did, but for us, for redemption, beyond that, right? Now it says those, those beasts that are flying, it talks about those actually in a couple of other situations. We see them with the six wings that they have. They take two wings and cover their feet, and they take two and cover their, their faces, okay? Because they are not even worthy to look on God. And they fly with the other two to say, we are not worthy. Even as beautiful and created as we are to do this, we are still not even worthy to do that. So it's hard for us to translate from this world as we live with humans that we live with and the things we say and do, to translate and think about this throne room of heaven. But we do know that any time anyone has ever really met God, and even some of his most powerful angels, you can't even live, it says, and look upon the face of God. Okay, Moses wanted to see God, and God says, what I'll do is I'm gonna pass by you and I'm gonna cover you, You're gonna, I'm gonna put you down in this crack of this rock, and I'm gonna cover you, and when I've passed by, I'll let you see the glory that's left behind me. And when he saw that, he glowed for the rest of his life, his face. Just, just seeing, not even him, but the glory left behind him. Like, this is like leftover of my garment, okay? So to understand it is really not normal for us. Right? We, we've not seen anything like that in this world. We don't even have anything like that in this world, except the understanding that God is beyond how we live. God is much beyond all of that. So it's praise like that that we got to say, okay, maybe we're missing out on something. God does that and God accepts praise like that. So what should we be doing? Well, let's go to Psalm chapter number 33. So we get a little bit more in our mind. What should we be doing? Psalm 33. And the Psalms are what they're great for. David really had a heart of praise. David was an amazing person who was very close to God. And so we see some of the things he says and take a little bit of the message from what David says. Psalm 33, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. I'll read one and we'll go around. Rejoice in the Lord. O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with the psaltery, psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Okay, so David is saying worship here. Now, I said this is a series on prayer, and this sounds like this is about singing and playing instruments. And what I am saying is there is a spirit that can be felt and had during both prayer and music. In fact, they could be at one time, at, at the right point, one and the same, okay? Music and prayer can be one and the same. Now, if your attitude stinks when you go to sing a song, don't think you're praising God, okay? So it's much more than just I make noise come out of my mouth, just like prayer. You can't just make noise come out of your mouth and say I'm praising God. It is much more about the condition of your heart that's happening during those moments. So what are you doing? And this is where he's saying, praise God, rejoice in God for what, he's, what he is, right? For praise is comely for the upright. That means, what does comely mean? 
Comely, that's an old word. We don't really use that. What? Pretty. Pretty. Yeah, beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. So, it is one of the most beautiful things that an upright person can do, or a righteous person can do, or a person that loves God. That is the most beautiful thing that a person that loves God can do is praise God. It's beautiful. It is an amazing thing to see someone and perform something. And what he says is, do it skillfully. Put your effort into it. If you're not doing and giving your all, you're probably not in a position of praise. If you're going in with a bad attitude, okay, not going to happen. Every time I stand up and lead singing, I don't always feel like I'm praising. Even sometimes when I'm really trying really hard, it doesn't really matter. If my heart is not in the right place, if my mind is not focused on that, then you can bet that God's not going to bring you to a point that praise is going to happen. That that real worship is going to happen. To say, I am praising God, I am lifting Him up, I am saying He's holy for who He is. For God being who He is. It can be a simple song, it can be a complicated song. Usually a beautiful melody, but sometimes just as simple as it can be. Okay? It can have harmony, it cannot have harmony. It can have instruments, it cannot have instruments. It doesn't really matter. It is much more about the purpose in your heart and the approach in your heart. So what I'm saying is you have an opportunity to praise God. You can praise God when you're praying, when you're saying things out loud. You can praise God when you see things around you. God for who He is. You can praise God when you see uh, that God has done mighty works in this place and you start to understand this great and mighty God who sits on the throne, who has these beasts flying around him, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, cares about me. And that can help you to have a little understanding, and that might be where God touches you on that moment, on that day. Sometimes it's just those moments that he gives you in songs, okay? So we have, we have opportunity, and that's the big deal, right? get opportunities to praise and worship. That's what we're doing on Sunday morning. We are providing opportunities. You can come to church. You can stand up. You can be a part of the choir. You can stand up in the congregation. You can sing. You can hear the praise. Uh, you can do all those things, and if your heart is not where it ought to be, you will not feel a thing. Okay? But you have the opportunity, and we invite God in, and we say, we're giving you our best. We want to see what you want to do today, God, and this is what we can do. We're giving you our best, and when we give you our best, is he coming? Maybe. And if he does come, and it's the moment he comes, he speaks more deeply than we can ever get by, by repeating all the words we can think and saying all the things we've done. If you've ever felt the presence of God, the Spirit of God, maybe it makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Maybe singing a certain word or saying a certain word as you think about a certain thing or you hear Scripture it touches you in a way that you never saw it before, you never felt it before, and all of a sudden a realization comes over you. Maybe you feel flushed. There's oftentimes physical things that come from this. This could be a great, this is just a great opportunity. You reach out to God and say, God, I want to feel your presence. I want to, I want to know it. I want to feel who you are. When we stand directly in His presence someday, in His throne room for judgment, we will not be able to stand. We will come down on our knees before God, flat. And it says mo most people that have ever 
even seen his angels and fell down like they were dead. You have no power. Okay? So to understand that and just look for God's presence, praise and thanks, give, give him praise for who God is, is an important part of respecting God, of knowing God's holiness. And it's a piece we miss many times. You can go through a long time in Christian life and not see it. So that's why we specifically held it out today. Okay, uh, next Psalm over, Psalm 34. If you start with verse number 1, 2, and 3, let's read that as David talks more about this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O mighty the Lord with me, or O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Okay? The important piece there, he's saying, come worship with me, let's lift God up, let's exalt him, another word where we say that, but what is it? The very first verse says this, let his praise be continually in my mouth, all right? This is a choice, praise always in my mouth. Here's the question. What do we use our mouth for? A lot of things. What do we do? Talk. What else? Eat. Eat. Breathe. Breathe. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. And eating is fine and breathing is fine. Is all of our, all of the words that come out of our mouth, would you say they're all godly and pointing up to God? Probably not. Okay? Probably not. This is one of the things that David says is, I want his praise to be continually in my mouth. That is a really big challenge for us who have lots of words to say. Right? What do we spend our words with? How do we point other people? Are we tearing other people down with our words or are we praising God with our words? There was a unique man and one time um, I met a long time ago. Uh, he was related to a, a gentleman in this church and his name was Uncle Laverne. Okay, and Uncle Laverne was a cool guy we went to visit. I had never met anybody quite like Uncle Laverne. As you walk through, Uncle Laverne had a house full with things, and he had a garage filled with things. And when we went to visit him, we were looking through at a couple things. He wanted to show us a couple things. And as we walked, we looked, and uh, there was a gas can. And on the gas can, I started looking because there were stickers on the gas can. And I looked a little closer, and it said, like, praise Jesus on the stickers, on the gas can. And then I started looking more carefully, and he was an electrician. Every tool, every bin, every gas can, everything had little stickers. Praise the Lord. Jesus saves. All over the whole thing. Everything he had. And as Uncle Laverne talked, every sentence ended up with, we got this camper and the wheels were flat on it. Praise Jesus, we got them fixed. In his speech constantly was this giving thanks, giving praise to God, okay? Bad thing happened to me, but praise Jesus, we had this. We were, he was with us during that. Praise God. And I'm, we asked, okay, Uncle Laverne, why do you have all these stickers on it? And he said, if someone borrows it, it's more likely they're going to give it back. If it says praise Jesus all over it, they're not going to keep it for very long. And he says, and if it doesn't, they might get saved. Praise Jesus. If they don't give it back at all. 
right? So he had this thought, this different way to think. And that's something to challenge and think of yourself is how do you approach God in this life? Do you give God credit for everything? Do you praise God because he has given you all sorts of things? Because who he is, he's an incredible God. Do we even understand that? Do we understand how much he loves us? Do we understand those things? And I think oftentimes we just don't think about it. We go in our life and we do it and we forget. Let life happen to us and we forget to be someone different. If we can be someone different, make marks on someone else, we make a very good uh, chance to change somebody else just by praising God, having it all the time. So Colossians 3.16 says that. Colossians 3.16. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Paul is writing this letter to the people at Colossae. And he is saying, do this always. Do this always. Verse number 16. Colossians 3.16. You got that one, Gideon? Can you do that one, please? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Okay? This is how we are to treat other people around us. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, those kinds of things. People are to know us by those things. We help other people with those things, okay? I have learned in my life to sing lots of times. This is who I am, right? And that's okay, not everybody's a singer, but if you are constantly having those words in your mouth, in your conversation, in who you are, you can make a mark. Uncle Laverne wasn't a singer. But he made a mark on anybody and everybody he could, even with Praise Jesus stickers. He was out there saying, give God glory. Right? You can do it too. You make a choice. And Paul says this is important, that you treat each other like that. Because as you go and you help other people, they raise up. And they help you and you raise up. And you help all those people around you. Okay, It is the most gratifying thing to have a heart full of worship that people see and they know that you're somebody different. You want to be somebody different in this world. Be somebody different for good. Don't try to just stop a bunch of things. Do something better for people. Praise, learn to praise God. Have a prayerful attitude and you can do some amazing things. All right, back to one more Psalm. As we, Psalm 149. Psalm 149. Psalm 149. Uh, verse number three and four. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let, let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Okay, so here is his praise his name. We have singing and dancing. Woo! <laughs> and dancing can be something that can glorify God. I've not seen that super often in my life, but it doesn't mean because I've not seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist here. And David talks about that, that there is a way to put yourself in a praiseworthy type dance. Okay? 
understanding that. Our culture is not full of that here. There are other cultures in the world who have much more of it. Okay? But understand and think broadly in how you are going to affect and change the world. Now as you walk outside, Psalm 148 says a whole bunch about it. It talks about nature. We don't have to turn there, although it's right back there. It talks specifically about all sorts of things, praising God. The sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the trees, and everything points to the fact that God is awesome. God is in charge. God is holy. God is amazing. God is incredible. God created all of them. All of nature does what it is designed to do, and that is to praise God, except for humans. We're the only fallen part, the only part that turns our back on God and says, I don't even care about God, right? As a race who turned our back on God, the rest of creation, the deer in the field, the mountain, the tree, does exactly what it was intended to do, exactly, and glorifies God and says, look at him that created me. Our body is one of the most incredible creatures on earth, and we don't often point to God with it. Right? We can sing, we can play instruments, we can create things, we can uh, do complicated stuff, we can figure out things, we can do physical things like dancing and sports and all sorts of things. And any one of those things, if you give God the glory for what is happening, can be used for God. Just like the sun burns bright and you look up there or all the stars at night and you say, wow, that's a vast, amazing, huge sky filled with stars. Think about the distances and all the things up there. They all point to God. We can too, if we choose to. Now, one last story, and this is a great story, Second Chronicles, about praise. Just to make you think, and you say, well, it's a good thing, it's a good thing to praise. I'm gonna say it's a powerful thing and it's an important thing. Second Chronicles, chapter number 20. Way back in the Old Testament, we're talking about different kings that have ruled over both Israel and Judah, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And we are going to read about King Jehoshaphat. Okay? King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, King Jehoshaphat has a series of enemies that has come up against him. And he's kind of in trouble. There's a whole group of other armies that have met together to come and take out his people. All right? And his response is interesting and beyond interesting. It's thrilling when you start to look at and see what really happens. So we're going to read a passage here, uh, starting with King Jehoshaphat. They're at the point where the armies are waiting to go and destroy them. They're ready to attack the next day. All right? And this is what happens. Second Chronicles chapter number 20, verse number 13. And we are going to read right through... Uh, as we start with Judah, the kingdom of Judah, verse 13, we're going to read through verse 24. And pay attention to the story of what happens. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechari Zechariah, the son of ben <laughs> Benaiah, Benaiah the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, the son of Levite, of the sons of Asaph. Asaph. <laughs> this guy, okay, <laughs> Jehaziel. Came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. 
And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat blew his he or bowed his sorry <coughs> bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Okay, they're going to battle. Let's sing. <clears throat> right? Let's sing. It's a good time to sing. Right? Isn't it? We're going to go out and try to win a battle. Let's sing. Okay, verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set am ambushments against the children of Am Ammon, Moab, and, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. When they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped destroy one another. And when Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked upon, up unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And there you go. <clears throat> There's the story. You don't need to fight. Just sing. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not really the point of the story, but the point of the story is placing God in the, the proper place in your life. When you're at the hardest point of your life, putting God there, worshiping God, even when you're about to go into battle, you put singers and you say, let's praise God. God's going to do something, and I don't know what he's going to do, but God's going to do something. Let's have a heart of worship as we go in there. And God says, I like that so much, I'm just going to wipe that army out right there. They wipe themselves out. The three armies that went to fight against Judah killed themselves. They literally ambushed themselves. It's a strange thing, right? One army killed the other army, killed the other army until they're all dead. So God said, I like when people worship. I like praise. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's a beautiful thing when a righteous person worships God. When you have that spirit in your prayers, in your singing, even do it in singing, and it can be one and the same oftentimes, um, when your heart is right and you can praise God and lift God up and say, holy is God, God you are hallowed, hallowed be thy name, right? Power is yours. You can do all these things. 
when you lift God up, God does mighty things. Now, I don't know exactly what he's going to do in your life. And I don't know when and how he acts. I can't tell him what to do. But I do know that when you praise God, there is mighty power behind it. And you say, well, that was one time God did that. Right? You remember when Paul and Silas were sitting in a jail cell. It says they were praying and singing psalms at midnight. And what happened? Earthquake. And their locks popped open on their hands <laughs> in the earthquake, okay? Doesn't happen that like your locks pop open with an earthquake. But God says, yeah, I like that. We'll let him out. We've got more work to do. When you put God first, anytime, you could do great and mighty things. God does great and mighty things through praise, right? He enjoys praise. He loves it when you get it right. When you learn that there is power behind God and you put him in the proper place in your life, which is what praise is all about. Putting God in the proper place. Lifting God up. Saying, God, I don't know what you have for me. But whatever it is, it's going to be good. I'm going to trust in you. It's going to be great. And God has watched this. Jehoshaphat praises God. Sends the singers out first. Right? Sends the singers out first. It says, go with a heart of praise and worship. And you will do mighty things. And that's why we talk about praise. We don't talk about it that much, but it's good to understand to put God in the proper place in your life. That's what praise and worship does. So that's about prayer and praise and worship, learning to do what nature does all on its own all the time. When you go out and climb on the top of a mountain and you say, ah, I feel close to God, that's because nature is doing what it is designed to do point to its maker, right? So we need to do the same thing. Point to our maker, point to our God. Say, there he is, praise Jesus, he's got it. All right, thank you very much, have a good night.